Hi, I'm Reagan. Because Jesus pulled me from toxic friendships in my life, I know that He loves me, He has saved me, and He does have grace for me. I live in love like Jesus by writing Bible verses on post-it notes and sticking them in my mom's car in the morning. Hi, my name is Noah, and because Jesus showed His love to me, I live in love like Him by showing His love to others. Hi, I'm Valerie, and I live in love like Jesus by confidently and openly sharing my story and shining a light and being positive at my school. Hello, um, my name is Luke West, and I live in love like Jesus by focusing on the community. And uh, I do community projects like Pierce Project and Youth and Government and Changemaker um, because I find that when we look in the Bible, uh, Jesus focused on the people around him, and that's how they grew. And I think that's how we grow too. We grow better with people. Well, once again, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossroads. We're so glad you're here with us today, whether you're here at our New Bird campus or watching with us online. Uh, like your host said, my name is Ross Langston. I am the youth pastor here at our New Bird campus. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 15 is where we're going to go today. John chapter 15. And while you're turning there, I just got to brag on some of our students a little bit that you just saw in that video. It's awesome to see how they are living and loving like Jesus on a daily basis. It's been a very interesting time as the youth pastor here at Crossroads. And um, we've, our youth ministry has gone through a very interesting time. We've been doing a lot of services and things online, as well as um, our small groups are still going very strong. But I wanted to let everybody know that coming up next Next Sunday night, September 27th at 5 p.m., we are regathering. We're going to have an outdoor service um, right here at our Newburg campus. Everything kicks off at 5 p.m. We'll have food trucks, we'll have music, some games, and things like that, as well as what we call our Groups Expo. And so any student that would like to get plugged into a small group has an opportunity opportunity to that night. It starts at, at, at 5 o'clock. We'll be done around seven or so. And uh, it's really important though that they RSVP. The way that you can do that, um, parents, you are also invited. We'd love to have you. It's at cccgo.com slash youth events. And we spell youth without any vowels. So it's Y-T-H events. That's how you RSVP for next week. We call it our Youth United Live. All right, John chapter 15, hopefully you are there by now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just start out reading in verse one. It says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you're taking notes with me today, uh, hopefully you are. The title of this message is The Cost of Connecting. The Cost of Connecting. Come on, if you're watching right now on Facebook or online, type it in the chat. The Cost of Connecting. The Cost of Connecting. Just by a show of hands here on our Newburgh campus, or maybe you can type in, that's me, in the chat. Uh, how many of you despise going to the airport? How many people despise going to the airport? Seriously? Okay, people love to travel around here. Um, me, I hate the airport. I think that the airport is the absolute worst. I mean, think about what we're talking about here. We're talking about long lines. We're talking about going through security. You have to take your shoes and your belt off in front of strangers. 
This is weird, okay? I always get my luggage back and it looks like it's gone through a dirty car wash. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know why it's always that way, but I'll tell you one of the worst parts about traveling in an airport is when your flight gets delayed. Can I get anybody to agree with me there? We hate delayed flights. I can remember last summer, I had an opportunity to go and speak at a youth conference in North Carolina. And I was on my way back and one of my flights, I believe I was in Charlotte, it got delayed. And it had been a few days since I had really seen or talked to my wife. So I wanted to FaceTime her using my iPhone. I tried to get connected to uh, just kind of the regular like 4G LTE. And I just had bad service. I couldn't FaceTime her that way. So I decided I was going to log into the airport's internet, right? And I'm trying to connect to the internet. And I see that there is a cost for connecting. I saw the price of the connecting to the internet price, and I thought to myself, am I paying for internet or am I pay paying for another plane ticket? This is, this is ridiculous. I looked at the cost and I said to myself, that's too high, that's too much, I can't pay that, and so I didn't connect. After a while, we're still waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. My flight is still delayed. And I finally got to the place I still can't FaceTime my wife. So I just decided that the cost was worth connecting. No lie, I punch in all my credit card information, right? And I click enter and then there's an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, we are finally ready to board. I paid for 24 hours worth of Wi-Fi. I was so frustrated, but I knew that I had a little bit of time. I was in group C, group A was, was joining on. And I just realized though, that I wish I would have connected a long time ago. You know, as a Christian, many of us already know this, that there is a cost to being a Christian. Being a Christian in today's world will cost you something. We know this to be true because of what the Bible actually tells us. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Following God got them thrown into a fiery furnace. Think about Daniel. Following God got him thrown into a lion's den. The disciples, Jesus' best friends, did exactly what Jesus told them to do, and it led them into the eye of a storm. Do you know that you can be right in the middle of God's will for your life and still be crucified for it? Just ask Jesus. There is a cost to being a Christian. And the call of a Christian, I think it is, and it should be, a dangerous one. Don't believe me? It can be dangerous to your job. It can be dangerous to tell the truth when if you told the lie, you'd get the promotion you want. It can be dangerous to your marriage. It can be dangerous to be open and honest with someone about the deepest, darkest parts of you. One way is very dangerous, but friends, the other way is deadly. I don't know about you, but I'd take dangerous over deadly any day. We may look at the cost of connecting to Jesus, the cost of being a Christian and say, I can't pay that, it's too high, it's not worth it. But I promise you, as time goes on, you'll look back and you'll say, I wish I would have connected a long time ago. In John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to believers because he's speaking directly to his disciples. 
He's speaking directly to them and, and he uses his last I am statement before he goes to the cross. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Why does Jesus choose to use this illustration here, his last one right before he gets arrested in the garden of Gethsemane and is taken to the cross? It's because he knows his friends, his believers, the disciples, his followers were about to go through tough times. Anybody gone through some tough times in 2020? So this is a relevant message for us today. He says, you're about to go through tough times. And when you go through those tough times, it's important for you to know that you have to stay with me, stay connected to me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Stay with me. And so today we're going to be looking at four principles found in what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15, four ways how you and I as Christians can stay connected. Check out what it says again in verse one. It says, I, again, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And we use this, this word true to point to one really important thing. And I want you to take notes. If you take notes, write this down. Point one of the message is this, Jesus is our source. Jesus is our source. You know, one of my favorite places ever to visit is New York City. I love going to New York City, especially around Christmas time. Nothing can beat New York City at Christmas. It's just classic. I remember the first time I ever went, I was 16 years old and I was so excited. I had just gotten like, my, we, I was in my first relationship. Okay. I was, I had a little girlfriend and while we were there in New York, I was constantly looking for something, some sort of souvenir, some gift to get her. It was around Christmas time. So I wanted to get her an awesome gift to give it to her uh, for Christmas when we got back. And we're walking down the street in New York city. I don't, maybe you've heard of it. It's the street called canal street. And we're walking down the street and, uh, and my dad and his friends are behind us. I'm, I'm, I'm here with my friend. We're just walking. And all of a sudden this guy has like this really big, like, like trash bag looking thing over his shoulder. And he says, Hey man, you got a girlfriend? I was like, yeah, I got a girlfriend. He goes, she like purses. I was like, she loves purses. He's like, man, I got designer purses for cheap. I was like, I'm cheap. This is great. You know? So we go kind of around the corner. He opens up this big trash bag and I'm telling you, I mean, there are, I'm, tons of designer purses just right there on the ground in New York City. I'm thinking to myself, where did he get all these purses? I don't even care how much of these purses. Prada, she loves Prada. I bet that's like a $2,000 purse, man. This is crazy. He goes, no, no, no. For you, 20 bucks. I said, a Prada purse for $20? I'll take that one. Yes, thank you. So I bought the purse. I bought three purses. I come back around the corner so proud of myself. I got them on my arm. I'm like, Dad, look, I got all these purses for my girlfriend. Oh my gosh, I'm the best boyfriend ever. And my dad starts laughing at me. I said, Dad, these are designer purses. Can you believe I got all three of these for 60 bucks? My dad's laughing. He says, son, those aren't designer purses. I said, yes, it is. It says Prada right there on the purse. He said, son, it may have the label. Are you tracking with me? But it's not the real thing. Jesus is saying right here in verse one of John chapter 15, I am the true vine. I am the real thing. You need to know this and it's important to stay connected to the true vine because when you go through tough times, you're going to be tempted to go after other vines. 
You're going to have other options in this life. Do you want encouragement? Here's a quote. Do you want hope? Here's a blog. You want satisfaction? Here's an image you can look at. Want to feel superior? Here's a platform to prove that you are. But in verse one, Jesus is straight up making a bold statement as he says, I am the true vine in a world of counterfeits, phonies, and fakes. I'm the real deal. I'm the real thing. And I'm all you'll ever need. It's important that you and I get this today because we live in a world that really wants us to chase after other vines, doesn't it? Somebody type in the chat right now, he's the true vine, the true vine. This is what he says in verse one, but as he continues on in verse two and three, he says, talking about God now, the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Everybody say prunes. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Point two of the message this morning is this. Not only is Jesus our source, but pruning is his process. Pruning is his process. Sometimes we hear the word pruning and it doesn't really resonate with us because there aren't probably a lot of gardeners in the room, but every good gardener knows not only do you have to pull out weeds out of your garden, not only do you have to water the garden and give it proper sunlight, but you have to cut out the dead things. And you actually have to prune back some good things so that the best things can actually grow because they'll sap energy from what the garden could actually be. You may think, what does this have to do with my life? There's a really important principle we should all know. If you aren't pruned in life, you can't produce in life. If you aren't pruned in life, you can't produce in life. If certain things are not cut off from your life, if certain branches aren't broken off, they will break you down. See, oftentimes as Christians, we want to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that are listed in Galatians chapter 5. But we don't like the process of pruning. You know that just because you ask God for joy doesn't mean he's going to be like, you get joy. No, no, no. If you ask God Lord, I want to love like you love. He's going to give you people in your life that are hard to love. If you say, Lord, I want self-control, then he's going to put you through some tests to make sure that he can prune out of you self-control. If you want patience, he'll give you children. This is the way that he works. As Christians, though, we're really good at adding things to our lives, aren't we? but we aren't so good at letting God subtract things. So we add God, but we haven't gotten rid of gossip. We add Bible, but we haven't gotten rid of backbiting. We add church, but we haven't gotten rid of cheating. Here's a great question to ask yourself, friends. How do I respond to pruning? How do I respond to God pruning me? Because oftentimes, instead of letting God prune us, we want to prune him, don't we? God, I'm all for serving, but man, don't tell me I need to get there at 6.30. Uh-uh. Lord, I want to be in a small group. I really do. But don't tell me I got to be open and vulnerable with these people. Mm-mm. And before we know it, what we've done is we've pruned ourselves a God that looks, acts, and thinks just like we do. Oftentimes, our response to pruning is we think pruning means punishment. Man, God just don't, don't, doesn't want me to have fun. 
God doesn't want me to have a good time. He's trying to get rid of all these things in my life. Man, he's punishing me. No, maybe he's repurposing you. Man, maybe God's just trying to limit me. No, maybe he's trying to lengthen you. There are times in our life where we have to understand we have to go through the pruning process in order for us to be the people who God has called us to be. Anybody who's ever played a sport knows this. Because you're not concerned if the coach is coaching you. You should be concerned as a player when the coach stops coaching you. I love this quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, your heavenly father is never nearer to you than when he is pruning you. We have to understand Jesus is the source, but his process comes through pruning. And if we are signing up for this thing, the cost for connecting means that we're going to have to be pruned in life. Verse four, as Jesus continues on, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. I love that. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. He says it again. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Listen to this next part. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He continues to use this phrase, remain in me, remain in me. I believe that Jesus is saying here, trust the pruning process. Be patient with the pruning process. Watch how I play the long game. Watch how I'm patient with you. Watch how I work all things together for your good. And even when you mess up, stay with me. Think about who Jesus is talking to. These are disciples. These are not some pretty put together perfect guys. They made a lot of mistakes. They slept several times when Jesus said, stay awake and pray. They couldn't help it. They were so tired. They, were, they doubted Jesus constantly. They bickered about who was better than the other. Peter was so crazy, he chopped a guy's ear off once, okay? These are the people we're talking about. But Jesus is saying, even when you mess up, remain in me. Even when you make a mistake, you're not a mistake. Even when you fail, you're not a failure. Even when you do what I don't want you to do, you're still the one I want. Even when you do what I don't want, you're still the one I want. So how in the world do we stay connected? How do we stay connected to Jesus? How do we remain in him? Don't you love it when the Bible gives you answers? to your questions. In verse nine, it says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Here's the answer. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Did you see it? If you keep my commands, you'll remain in me. Another translation actually uses the word abide in me. And I love that. Because it just means, let's just be together. Point three of the message is this. Obedience is how we abide. Jesus is the source. Pruning is his process. Obedience is how we abide. You know what's funny is that day in the airport, 
Again, I'm, I'm in group C. Group A is, is, is loading. And now I think maybe I've already put in all my credit card information. I'm still trying to get on the internet. I'm using like the face ID to try to pay with app. I'm like, I never know how close my face needs to be for that thing. You know, I'm trying to connect to the internet and I cannot do it. And now more people are loading. I'm running out of time. I quickly just want to get on and talk to my wife for just a little bit. So I go to this lady at a help desk and I'm like, hey, please help me. I just want to get connected and I can't get on. I'm paying the price. I don't know what's going on. And she says, sir, you can't connect because you have yet to accept the terms and conditions. So often we want to be fruitful, but we are unwilling to accept the terms and conditions of what it means to be faithful. This means that, friends, we have to do what he says to do. We have to love people that are hard to love. We have to forgive people when it's hard to forgive. We have to give when it's difficult to give. Oftentimes, though, us as Christians, we hear that word obedience and we turn it into a Christian checklist, don't we? See, what Jesus is talking about is not obedience in and of itself. He's talking about what our obedience is in response to. Do you know before you could obey anything that God tells you to do, he's already done more for you than you could ever do for him? I love this. We love, why? Because Jesus first loved us. We can have joy, why? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Anything that we could do out of obedience is simply in response to what he's done. So I don't worship, friends, to get peace. I worship from a place of peace. I don't do godly things so that he'll love me. I do godly things because he does. I don't go out and tell my friends about Jesus hoping to earn his favor. I go and I tell my friends about Jesus believing that his favor is like wind to my back propelling me into what I'm called to do. As Christians, though, we often turn obedience into obligation. The equation is supposed to work out like this, and hopefully you can read my handwriting. We'll see how this goes. The equation is supposed to work out like this. Our faith, our belief in Jesus, when we make him the Lord and Savior of our life, it leads to salvation. And then our works, our godly behavior, the fruit is simply just an outpouring of the salvation we have received. This is how the equation works. This is what it looks like to be a Christian, to stay connected to the vine. But oftentimes us as Christians, we get caught up and we mix the equation up a little bit, don't we? We get a little bit too focused on the results and so we want that feeling again. We want to go back to what it used to be like. So we keep striving and we keep seeking and we keep checking off our Christian to-do list as if obedience was the thing that got us our place. So this is what happens. We take faith and we start adding in works and think that that is what equals our salvation. Friends, this is relationship. This is religion. This is obedience. This is obligation. One of these makes works and godly behavior. Excuse my, my, that's a tree. It makes it fruit. The works are the fruit of my salvation. The other one makes works the root of my salvation. 
One is obligation. One is obedience. My obedience is simply out of a response. So I can strive my way through. I can keep seeking the Lord and trying really, really hard to earn my salvation. But salvation did not come from me. The truth is I'm not even connected to the vine. (laughs) We become branches that he's talking about that won't bear any fruit. If we're not connected to the vine, we can't bear fruit. And you know, it's easy for Jesus to spot fake branches, right? This actually happens in Mark chapter 11. It's one of the craziest stories, but I love it. It's just kind of weird, but I love, but I love the story. Jesus and the disciples, they're walking, and, and it says that Jesus walks by a fig tree. And the fig tree is in leaf, meaning it has branches, it has leaves, but it's bearing no fruit. And so Jesus walks by the fig tree, and you know what he does? He curses it. He just curses it and keeps moving. I love this because Jesus gives us an illustration without saying any words. Many Bible scholars actually believe that the reason why Jesus cursed that fig tree is because it reminded him of what happened in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve refused to accept the terms and conditions that the gardener in the garden had given them. They chose to go after another vine instead of staying connected to the true, the true vine. They ate of a forbidden fruit. And in their shame and in their guilt, what did they do? They covered themselves up with fig leaves. Branches and leaves that would bear no fruit. Branches and leaves that would bear no fruit. And if we're honest, this is how many of us are feeling today in 2020. Because we as Christians, we've been stripped of our normal routine. We've been stripped of our idols. We've been stripped of our rhythms. And we just want to get back to the way things were. I just want to get back to how I felt when I was coming to church every week and I was involved in my small group and I was going to this little Bible study and and everything was working out so well. And maybe we're finding we're not as connected to God as much as we were the things of God. And now in 2020, we're feeling worn out, burnt out, tired, and maybe a little bit deflated. I kind of think about it like this. Here I I have this dodgeball. I'm going to blow your mind with this illustration. It's going to be crazy. Get ready, okay? If I bounce this dodgeball, you know what it's going to do? It's going to bounce back. Crazy. It's going to bounce back. And you may say, duh, Ross, that's obvious because it's made out of rubber. Oh, really? Hang on. Rubber. Didn't bounce back, did it? You know why? Because it's not about what the thing is covered in that makes it bounce back. It's what it's full of. Are you catching what I'm saying? It's not what it's covered in, it's what it's full of. Do you know, depending on the season, I could take this dodgeball and if I left it outside, it would become deflated. And if I wanted it to operate the way it was created to operate, I would need to take it back to the source of what fills it up. I would need to take it back to an air pump, which is what causes it to work the way that it was supposed to work. Oftentimes we as Christians, we're so busy covering ourselves up in Christianese and do-goodisms and Christian to-do lists that we forget we're supposed to go back and connect to the source ourselves. 
Church is close, but it's not the source. Bible study is close, but it's not the source. You and I have to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to be connected to the source in order to bounce back. I don't know about you, but I think it's time that the church of Jesus Christ in 2020 got her bounce back. When the world tries to push me down, guess what? I bounce back. When I'm hated, guess what? I bounce back. When I go through tough times, I bounce back. And it has nothing to do with what I look like on the outside or all the things that I've said I am so in love with about the church and Christianity. It has everything to do with the source that is filling me up on the inside. It has everything to do with the fact that I went back and I connected to the true vine. That's what obedience is. That's how you and I abide. That's how we abide. In verse 12, Jesus continues on. And he says, he gives us the answer once again on how we stay connected. He says, obey my commands. How? What is your command, Jesus? Verse 12, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. And if you do do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you. Listen to this part, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. He says it again, love each other. Point four of the message is this as we close today. Other people are our purpose. Other people are our purpose. What is our fruit for? We're trying to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. What's the fruit for? Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 says, Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. In other words, when people see us, They should see Jesus. I've been struggling through this message. I'm just going to be honest because when I was writing it, I got to this place was like, we're supposed to bear fruit. Good. All right. But then I was just asking the Lord in my prayer time, like, Lord, what's the fruit for? Like, we're supposed to stay connected. You're the vine. We're the branches. We stay connected so we can bear fruit. But what is the fruit for? And then I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he gave me the answer. He said, Ross, what's any fruit for? Have you ever seen a branch or a tree create fruit and then eat it? Nope. A branch bears fruit for someone or something else. Also, you know what's really cool about fruit? You know what it has on the inside of it? Seed for more fruit. Jesus says, I want you to love other people the way I've loved you. How did he love us? What did he do for us? He died for us. Jesus, you're asking me to lay down my life for somebody else? What I love about Jesus is he'll never ask us to do something that he isn't willing to do. You see, Jesus knew the cost of connecting. There would be a day that the vine would hang from a tree called the cross at Calvary. That vine would be cut down from that tree and he would be buried in a tomb, much like a seed. And friends, we know what seeds do when they get buried. Something new 
comes out. Thank God, three days later, he did arise, brand new, looking for friends, looking for branches that would bear his fruit and show the world that we are connected to the vine. So when the world looks at us and they see that we are hated, love is our response. When times are hard, joy is our spirit. When war breaks out, patience is our stance. When we are mistreated, kindness is our tone. When days are dark, we are fixated on the goodness of God. When we are cheated, his faithfulness is what we'll model. When we are mishandled, gentleness will be our grip. And when all hope is lost, self-control is what'll keep us worshiping. Self-control is what'll keep us It'll keep us seeking after the true vine and staying connected to Jesus Christ. This is what the fruit is for. And I just want to ask you today, if you're watching this message, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus or watching with us online, and you said, Ross, I've never made the decision to connect to the vine. He wants to invite you to be a part of his family tree. Today, you can make that decision. We have somebody who wants to talk with you and pray with you. If you're here in a Newburgh campus, you can remain seated when we're actually done. Someone will come by, but also you can actually text the word now to the number 812-858-8668. We can follow up with you that way. And we do wanna talk with you. We do wanna let you know what it looks like to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life so that you can be connected to the vine forever. Jesus knew the cost of connecting. He wants us to count the cost and connect with him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much that you knew the cost, you knew the price that it would take. You accepted the terms and conditions We recognize you today as the one who made a way for us to connect with you. Jesus, we recognize you are our source. We understand that pruning is your process. Make us better. Prune in us the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, we we proclaim today that obedience is how we abide. We want to obey your commands. We want to do what you say to do. Only because the end game, the end goal is to recognize that other people are our purpose. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.